You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Audio Podcast. Good morning, everyone. Great to see you here today. I am Pastor Jeff Buchanan. I oversee the adult ministries here at Grace Covenant. And I want to welcome you this morning. And if you're watching Grace Online, I want to welcome you wherever you are in the world right now. But uh, Pastor Farrell is at our East Lincoln campus this morning, and so we're going to—I'll um, be with you today, and we're going to be talking, continuing the series that we began last week. It's a two-part series called "My Big Fat Mouth." So this is part two, and I have to tell you, when Farrell told me that I was going to be teaching on the subject matter, I was had to look at myself and go, "Am I really qualified?" I, I, have to, I have to be honest, where this is one of those sermons that I'm teaching and I'm going, you know what, I've got to have the finger pointing back at me on a number of these issues. The reality is, is that I don't know a single person in this church or anywhere that doesn't struggle with what we're talking about today. That all of us have an issue with our mouth. All of us are prone to gossip, to uh, you know, being negative, whatever it may be. We have a propensity to not steward our words well. And so as I'm talking today, please understand that I'm not coming from a point of necessarily authority and talking down to you and saying you need to get your act right. This is going to be a we conversation. And that this is something where I'm looking at myself and going, okay, I need to challenge myself in this as well, because I am just as guilty. But together we grow, and together we challenge each other, and together we can become what God's called us to be. So our scripture is going to be from Matthew 12, verses 33 through 37. It says, Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Now, to me that's kind of sobering. It's a very sobering passage because there is a lot in there. There's a lot that we want to unpack today. One of the first things that it acknowledges and the first thing on your outline is that you will be recognized by your words. So it tells us that we will know you by the words that you speak. Now, I don't know how many of you are still in the dating phase or you can remember far back enough to remember when you dated. But you remember when you would encounter someone and you would look and go, gosh, they seem, they're really attractive. I'm really attracted to them. And then they open their mouth. And you're going, it's like they turn into the wicked witch of the East before your very eyes, going, oh my gosh, you are so unappealing to me. But the thing is, is that what happened is that they revealed who they were on the inside. They revealed their heart. They revealed all of this mess that was in there by just a few sentences that they spoke. And that's the key right there. The real problem is not necessarily with the words that we speak, it's with the heart issue. Because it says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever is in here is going to come out here. This is just simply a funnel. This is just simply going to spew out whatever resides in here. So the the essence of it is not really necessarily a mouth problem, it's a heart problem. 
And until you address the heart issue, just simply restraining this while that has some benefit is not going to really deal with the root issue. Our issue is a heart problem. Our words are the most telling thing about us. And out of that, it says that there's going to be fruit. We'll recognize people by their fruit. And the fruit of the Spirit, according to Galatians, says that it is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is the fruit of the Spirit. That's what should be coming from our speaking that we are to recognize each other by our fruit. Now, we live in this society, and we live in a culture today, <clears throat> where it's considered rude to come to a conclusion or a determination about somebody else. <clears throat> I hear this a lot, going, well, I don't, want, um, don't judge. Don't judge me. Not being judge, judgmental here. Okay, let's understand. There's a difference between being judgmental and judging. We as a believer, a community of believers, are called to judge each other. In the essence of going, guess what? If you are a persistent, unrepentant gossip, then it is our responsibility to say, you are a gossip. You need to stop. It is not helpful. Because it it spreads poison in the life of the body. We've gotten to a point to where we're afraid to call things what they are because, quite frankly, we don't like to be disliked and we don't want to have to deal with the difficulty and the unpleasantness that comes with that. We will be revealed by our words, according to Matthew 12, 34 through 35. <clears throat> now, as I was saying, what does, that, what does that mean? We're going to be revealed. You know, we'll be recognized. You'll be recognized as a person, but revealed really is more the essence of those things that come up. Sort of the symptomatic issues that are within our life. That's going to reveal what's really going on in our heart and what and what's really there. And I want to talk about just a few of the symptoms. And this is coming from Robert Morris's The Power of Words. It's a great resource. I want to che- I want you, should encourage you to check that out. But some of the symptoms of the bad fruit or the evil that we're talking about today First of all, is one of them is telling the untruth or lying. Now, we kind of have this thing out there going, well, there's white lies and then there's lies. No, there's lies. Either it's true or it's not. There is no in-between here. But in our mindset, in our postmodern society, there is this whole gray area of going, well, truth is relevant. Truth is what you want it to be. That's your truth. This is my truth. No. If I step out in front of a bus, either I'm going to get hit by the bus or I'm not going to get hit by the bus. There's no in-between there. I live or I die, depending upon my stupidity level. So there is truth. The thing is that it is critical That we are speaking truth and not lies. The Greek word hamatano means to miss the the mark. It is the most frequently used Greek word to refer to sin in our life. When we miss the mark, when we're not accurate. We're not telling people what needs to be spoken in love and in respect. For me, in my 20s and my early 30s, truth was so essential to my freedom and me finding out who I truly was and who Christ truly is. 
So I make no apologies for being committed to that because I know the impact and I know the freedom that comes as a result of grasping for the truth and realizing that that is that that gives me an accurate depiction of who I am and of who Jesus is. When we do not speak the truth to someone else, what we're basically doing is the equivalent of looking in a broken mirror. You know, if you look in a mirror that's in whole, you get an accurate reflection. You can see things as they really are. You get a mirror that magnifies and you really get to see who you are. Or you go into one of those mirrors in a dressing room with a fluorescent lighting in a department store. Then you get to really see who you are. Then you need counseling after. But a mirror reflects the accurate truth. But if I were to go and take a hammer and shatter that mirror to where it's still intact, but it's all broken and all the lines are there, you're not going to see a correct image. That's what a lie is. It is a broken mirror. It's a broken image that you're putting in front of someone. It's like, ladies, why don't you go and try to put your makeup on in a broken mirror? You're going to have an eyebrow up here. Lips are going to be way over here. Mascara is going to be everywhere because you're going based upon the image that you're looking at and you're seeing. That's what happens when we don't speak those things and when we, when we lie. We're putting up a false image. And how are you going to be able to make change? How are you going to be able to uh, really aim for the true image of Christ when you're working from such a faulty precept? We have to be willing to speak the truth. Another symptom is, you know, stirring up division. Many are deceived that by thinking what they are doing, that they're doing good by bringing up to others and just saying, well, I just thought you should know. I thought you might want to know this. or You may not be aware of this, but I thought I would like to share. And you think that you're being so helpful. And actually, you, may, you honestly may think that you are. But a lot of times what you're doing is either intentionally or unintentionally stirring up division. Because the thing is, is that do you need to share that information? Now, I'm not talking about we just don't say anything around here. We keep a tight lip policy, yada, yada, yada. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that there are times when the, that if there's information that is harmful to that person, to someone else, or if it's harmful to us as a body, whatever, yes, then it needs to be shared appropriately with the right people. But there are times where we're going, you know, to, well, I just, you know, thought you might like to know this little tidbit of information I've got. Well, you're stirring up division. Because if it's not helpful and it's going to cause relationships to be broken, then that's kind of the essence of what we're talking about. You have to be careful to speaking to situations. You want to strive to be a peacemaker rather than a troublemaker. And it can go a little bit something like this too, where you know, you've got a friend or it may be a couple uh, <clears throat> that's experiencing problems with another person or experiencing problems with their spouse. And you love that friend, you want to support that friend, and you're saying, hey, you know, um, yeah, I get it. He was really wrong for that. Yeah, he's got a really bad attitude. I'm so sorry for you. That's terrible what you're going through. And go, yeah, yeah, he's really, he's really not a nice person for doing that. Going, now what you're doing is you're unintentionally putting a wedge in that relationship. Because the reality is, Scripture says that there are two sides to every story. Do you have all the information? Are you making a correct judgment based upon that? Because the thing is that we all can mess up. We all can have a false perception. And you 
making a judgment about that, going, it may be your friend that's in the wrong. And you may need to challenge that. You may need to gather all the information before speaking into it because you may be bringing a wedge into that relationship when you think that you're siding up and really helping that person to feel secure. You have to be careful about those things. If you're, dig, you know, if you're dishing the dirt, if, you're, if you love gossip, or if you're passing along information. Now, listen here. Gossip is not necessarily false information. Gossip can be truth that you're saying to someone else. But you may be saying it to somebody who has no responsibility or no authority in the area or can do anything about it other than spread the information further down the line. And what it can do is that it can bring harm. It can derail what God's trying to kind of do on the back end that you may not even be aware of going on there. And the way that we can kind of curtail gossip is that we really start from a position of going, if I have no responsibility, then I really don't need to have an opinion. If I don't have responsibility in the area, I don't really need to have much of an opinion because I don't really have all the facts. I don't really have all the, the situation. I don't have all the information to go on there. You know, gossip can look, you know, very harmless. It can be gossip, you know, like in a life group situation where you're sitting there and going, can I just share something? Just pray for me. I just really am challenged with the teaching lately in the church. Especially when that bald guy talked this past week. <laughs> I think it's just kind of lost something. Do you guys feel that way? You're not asking for a prayer request. You're trying to get people to garner around you and sympathize and agree with you so you feel justified in your opinion. That's what you're trying to do. You're causing division. You're causing gossip. It's sin. Stop it. You don't, do, you, don't, you, you don't operate that way. Here's the thing I have, the challenge I have. I have, one of my pet peeves is when I hear somebody say something about me and they haven't come to me to talk about it, then I, I have lost respect. If you cannot come to me and tell me what your problem or your issue is with me directly, then it's cowardice. You're not doing what you need to do, and you're, 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 not, you're not being truthful. You're being divisive. You're being, you're being slanderous when you're spreading false information or negative information. And we unintentionally can be slanderous about other people, and it can go something like this. You know, um, that you're walking along down the hall, and um, I see Johnny, and he's walking down the hall, and he does, you know, I say, hey, Johnny, and he's just like, oh. I'm going, nerve. I said, hello, you need to say hello to me back. Well, you think you're too good? You know what? I, don't think, I, I never really trusted him anyway. <laughs> I really think there's something going on with him. He doesn't seem very happy. You know, he's kind of got this resting grump face. No, you don't. You don't really don't. But, but let's go with that. <clears throat> you know, this, this resting grump face. So I just don't think he's a genuine person. You know, how dare he walk by and not say hello to me? Going, you know what? You're insane. You've got to stop and think about what's going on, going on in your head, about what, what's happening with all that. You have to stop and think about, you know what? You don't necessarily know what's going on in that person's life. You don't necessarily know that that person may not have just heard you 
or that there may be something, um, you know, that they're intensely focused on, that they're just kind of trying to keep, uh, you know, a focus on that, or that they're preoccupied. It could be a number of different things. The world doesn't revolve about around you. It's not always about you. You have to think about the other situation, the other purpose, but you make these assumptions about other people that you come to conclusions when you need to go and say, hey, you know what? When you said this the other day, this is what I felt. Is that accurate? And probably nine times out of ten, that will not be the case. And if it is, then guess what? You opened up a dialogue. But if you cannot, if you're going to jump to a conclusion about somebody else without going to them and discussing it, then this is not the way that God has called us to live. You're doing harm, not only to yourself, but to others. Slanders when we pass along negative or incomplete information. And 1 Corinthians 5.11 says, But I am writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy, or idolater or a slanderer, or drunkard or swindler. Do not even eat with such people. Saying you're not even supposed to have those people within your church. Now what that means is not that somebody says some gossip one time, you're supposed to kick them out. We're talking about people that unrepentantly, consistently do these things, bring division and gossip and slander within the body, and they refuse to change it. This says that, you know what, you're supposed to kick them out until they repent and they show repentance and they're willing to come back in and live a godly life. That this is serious stuff. But we've come into a society that's just so polite that we don't want to call those things out. And to address those things when what they are is toxic and venomous and poison. And it's disruptive to the body of Christ. When you're speaking cursings instead of blessings. It says that their throat is an open tomb. Scripture says with their tongues they practice deceit. The poison of asp is under the list. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. It says that their throats are filled with decay. It says that they practice deceit. means that they're skilled at lying. That they've gotten good at it. They practice it. They intentionally develop their craft at lying. Their lips are with the poison of asps that is venomous. Venom doesn't always kill you immediately. Sometimes it takes time. And when that venom is injected, it will sit there, it will fester, and it will breathe death into the life of the person that you've spoken those words into or about. Jesus understood the power of a curse when he walked by the fig tree and cursed the fig tree and came back the next day and it died. It was dead. That the world, the world was created with the word. That our words have power. When we use God's name in a self-serving way, you've always heard it say, don't use the Lord's name in vain. And everybody immediately goes to, well, don't use the, when you're cussing, leave the Lord's name out. By the way, you should just, shouldn't cuss. But, (laughs) but you leave the Lord's name out. It's more than that. You can use the Lord's name in vain when you do this. God told me. And you're saying that in order to get your own way or to promote your own agenda. When you've got an agenda that's not tested or tried or true, when you've got something that you want to see done, it's so easy to play the God card and say, well, I believe God's told me to do that. And everybody immediately feels disarmed and go, well, I can't touch that because they feel like this is what God said to them. You know, that would be like me saying, God's told me that I am going to be 
a superstar in the NBA. I'm okay. Thank you, honey. I'm going to quit my job tomorrow. <laughs> I'm making myself laugh. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to quit my job tomorrow and I'm going to start playing basketball and I know I'm going to become a superstar. I mean, look at me. This is not going to happen. Somebody needs to speak some loving truth to me. But if I were to say, but God told me, God gave me a word and I'm going off that word. And you're going, oh my gosh. You, you are not hearing from Jesus. If my wife and I have a decision to make in our life, and we feel like God's directing us a certain way, we usually, we typically do not operate that on our own. We seek out counsel outside of ourselves. And say, we feel like this is what the Lord's saying. Does that resonate with you? With trusted counsel, people that we know that are seeking the Lord or have the experience that, we're, uh, that we feel that we're lacking. You know, is this, you know, I feel like uh, this is what God's saying. Does that resonate with you? We test it. We don't simply just, you know, rest on our own confidence. We test those things to ensure that we are truly following the path of the Lord. So when somebody tells you, God told me, then let's help them out and say, okay, yes, but have you sought out other counsel? Have you weighed this in a council of elders? Have you weighed this with others to see, in fact, if you are truly hearing from the Lord? I think it's essential that we help each other grow in that way. Or we're stirring up strife. And I could go off on this. I could do a whole sermon on this. But it's just stirring up, stirring up strife. Let's take social media, okay, just for a moment. Let's go in the world of Facebook. And that post that has dwelling in your heart right now, that you know that you're right about, and that you know that when you post that post today, that it's going to change the perspective of the hundreds that are your followers, and you're going to make a radical change in the world when you do that post today. Because it's all about you being right, and it's all about you uh, wanting to make a difference. And by the way, social, you know, Social media activism is just pointless. It's all about making a difference. And you're wanting to say that thing. And, of course, because you know it to be the truth, because you got it from InfoWarAmerica.com. It's probably some 16-year-old kid that decided he wanted to start a blog to promote false information so he could laugh at you. The thing is, is that we're spreading false information around. We're putting things out left and right that is not true, that we haven't verified, that we don't have any clue as to whether or not there is any actual facts in the article or the post that we're putting. But we want to put it out there because we know the kind of reaction it's going to get. And we know that it's going to stir the pot. We like to provoke. You're stirring up stripes. Stop it. That's what you're doing. Because let me tell you something. It's something I feel very passionate about. It's the fact is that I believe that we as the church in America today are putting a lot of messaging out there and putting a lot of stuff out there to promote our own agendas and our own self-perceived righteousness that's, putting, that's going on out there. And we don't realize that we're probably going to reap what we're sowing. That in years to come, there's going to be replica- there's going to be uh, uh, there's going to be uh, co- consequences for all the stuff that we're putting out there that is basically just obnoxious, not founded in fact, that's not truthful, and it's all out there just to stir up the pot. Our primary focus is to promote the name of Jesus. That is what we're here to do: to promote the gospel and to promote the truth. Because Matthew twelve thirty six through 7 says that we will be responsible for our words. 
that at the end of our life, when we stand before Jesus and we are being judged, that we're going to be given account for every word that we've said. And it's not just for the words that we said, but we have to stand accountable for the consequences that was a result of the words that we spoke. That whatever we said and whatever we put out there and the lives that they touched or the lives that they destroyed, we're going to have to say and realize that, yes, I'm responsible for that. I have to give an account for that. I will be judged for that. That should weigh heavy on our hearts and our minds of realizing that what you say has the ability to do great, great harm and destruction. It's not just a harmless saying here or there. It's a weapon that you have that you're just using indiscriminately. So how do we bridle the tongue? We talked about that last week, about what it is to bridle the tongue and what that is. First of all, we need to ponder, we need to pause, excuse me. First, we need to pause and create some space. To pause simply means not to say anything until we know precisely what we should say. It's taking a moment to contemplate the effect of the words that we're about to speak. That we stop. Like the example I just used, Johnny, a moment ago, that we go, wait a minute. Am I seeing this accurately? Do I have all the information? Am I jumping to a conclusion or am I coming to a conclusion? Those are two different things. To jump to a conclusion is just to arrive at a place with no facts and completely unfounded. To come to a conclusion, which is godly and appropriate, is that we've done our research, we've got to make sure we have all the facts, and we've looked at the fruit, and we've made an assessment and determined that, yes, in fact, this is what the situation or this is what that person is. We don't jump to conclusions, we come to conclusions. And therefore, we have, there's work that is a result of going into that. That we pause, we stop, <laughs> just stop, drop, and roll, or do whatever you need to do. But before you post that thing, before you say that thing, take a moment and go, do I have, do I have all the information? Is everything accurate? <clears throat> is what I'm about to say, is it going to be helpful? Or is it just to promote me or to make me feel right, whatever that may be? Second, we ponder and we engage the brain. We need to engage our brains before we engage our mouths. We have to think about all the possibilities, as I said, that can contribute to our understanding and perspective. And then we also need to ask ourselves, do I need to speak or should I remain silent? This is one of my weaknesses. This is a major weakness in my life, is that I, I, I tend to see things black and white. And I'm very, I, I, get, I have the sense of justice in me. And when I feel that things are not going the way that they should, I'm going to cry foul. And this is something that really, a young age started for me. My mother actually, she was afraid to swim. And so she kind of taught me to be afraid to swim. And so I was going to overcome this by taking swimming lessons. And so I was probably about nine or ten years old. And um, I had decided that, you know, it was the last day of our swimming classes that we'd done. That we're doing it at the public school, a uh, public uh, pool. And I signed up for those classes. It was the last day of the classes. And we were going to dive off the diving board. Now, this was not like a 30-foot diving board that we were supposed to jump off of. It was your typical standard diving board. I was supposed to walk to the edge, and I was going to jump off the edge of it, and the person was going to catch me. That's the extent of what the instructors were asking. But I was so scared that I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. And then I actually led an entire revolt with the entire class. 
I don't know if that's me being a leader or whatever that was. But then they all say, well, he's not doing it. I'm not doing it either. And then the instructor asked me not to come back the next day. <laughs> so, but um, all that to say is that, you know, I forgot. I had a point and I forgot what I was going to make with that. But I hope you, I hope you enjoyed that. Wow. <laughs> but anyway, that we have, we have power with our words and we have power with that situation. And so do you speak or do you remain silent? Do you have the right in a situation? It's better to be, if, if the recipient of who you're speaking to, if they are spiritually mature, you need to find out, are they in a mature enough place to where I can speak that thing? Or are you in a spiritually mature enough place to speak something to that? You have to ask, you know, is this the right scenario? Is this the right place, the situation? If the giver and receiver, if they have a relationship of trust, guess what? You're going to tend to receive things from somebody else if there's a relationship of trust there. You just don't walk up to somebody who you don't know and say, hey, I know this is about you. You probably need to fix that. They're not going to receive that. Who are you? Get away from me. But if there's a relationship of trust, then you want to, you want to breathe into that. If the giver has asked permission or if the correction has been asked for, you, want to, you, you, know, you have to ask, do I have the right to speak into this? Sometimes you know, God may be showing you something, and that you know, the thing is, is that you may see the truth in a situation. You may see what things as they are, but that doesn't mean that you're always supposed to speak into it. God may say, you know what, I want you to pray about that, but this other person, I've got them working on it. And actually, they have a little bit more influence than you do in this situation. I want them to handle it, but you can pray about it and back them up. So I have to stop myself and go, just because I see it doesn't mean I should say it. And I'll be honest, that's a great weakness for me. It's something I have to continue to challenge myself on. But we have to stop and ask God, and leading into our third point, that we pray and that we engage the Holy Spirit. You know, we can try to do this on our own, and we can try to think that we can, you know, by, through a self-help philosophy and thinking that, you know, all, it's all, all about self-control. Guess what? None of us are successful at this. None of us, it, that doesn't work for us. You can try, and, but you'll get to a point to where it doesn't work anymore, and guess what? You failed again. We have to engage the Holy Spirit. We have to say, Holy Spirit, show me. Give me insight. When I'm about to say something I shouldn't say, convict me in that moment. Help me to stop. If I'm seeing something that's not accurate, help me to challenge myself and to say, are you looking at things with the correct perspective? Help me to get control of my thoughts. Help me to challenge the perspective of my heart so that whatever comes out of here doesn't do mass destruction. Help me to see that, you know, maybe my speaking the truth is more about me trying to be right than actually delivering the truth. Help me to know how to speak blessing and faithfulness and fruitfulness that is of you into the lives of others today. Rather than what I typically do and just allowing whatever's here just to spew out of my mouth. Only the power, if we do not engage the power of the Holy Spirit, we will continue to fail time and time and time again. And we'll never grow at the level that we are always aspire to. 
You cannot do it on your own. But so often we think that we can go out and go, I got this. And we don't. And what that is, is this humbling ourselves before God and going, God, you're greater than I am. You're stronger than I am. You have more power than I do. And I can't do this without you. That we have to pray and engage the Holy Spirit. It is really important, guys, that we begin to get this, because I truly believe this for us as Great Covenant. That if we don't get a grasp on how we speak life or death in this church, then I don't believe that we're going to see a movement of the Holy Spirit that we desire to see. It's not going to happen. Not when there's mixture like that in the house. Not when we're ripping each other down or tearing each other apart or jumping to assumptions about the other person or you know, coming to unfounded determinations. Not when we're always complaining and backbiting. Step up. Be a mature believer. If there's something that is challenging to you, go to the person that it applies to and lovingly address it. Otherwise, be quiet. Because you're bringing harm to the body of Christ. And you will have to give an account for it. We will all have to give an account for it. What I want to see is that this church move forward and see a movement of the Holy Spirit that we've never experienced before. But it starts with us being repentant, being humble, and assuming a posture that is low, but yet exalts others before us. That's the only way that this is going to happen. We can play church every Sunday and think that we're accomplishing something. And we're just going to be deceiving ourselves. And this series is not about, oh, I need to give a nice little series on the mouth because, you know, we need to teach on that every once in a while because we all have a problem with it going. But this is critical. This is essential. The Word talks about the power of words throughout. It speaks so much about it. And the fact that we were given life because of spoken word. That this creation exists because of a word spoken. We have the power as his creation of that same life or death. So what are we going to do with it? So I want to challenge each and every one of us this morning that we don't just take this sermon or this teaching today and go out and go, oh, that was good, great, okay, where are we going to eat? That we stop and we say, you know what? I need to look at my life. I need to make an assessment. So Holy Spirit, this week, I want to do kind of an immersion course here of you showing me where I'm speaking things that are death to my workplace, death to my spouse, death to my situation, whatever that may be. Show me those things that I'm speaking that are not breathing life, but they're breathing death. And help me to change that. Give me the words of life that I need to speak instead. Instead of speaking cursing, give, let me help me to speak faithfulness. Instead of tearing somebody down, help me to build them up. It doesn't mean that we don't see the flaws. It doesn't mean that we don't deal with the issues that, that may need to be dealt with. And if there's behavior that's not right, that we can address that. But how we do it makes all the difference. Let's do it in a right and godly way. And let's go engage this week of saying, God, 
bring revelation unlike any other time that you brought in my life, especially regarding my words. So, Father, we thank you. We give you praise. And, God, we just ask, the Lord, that you would, in the course of this week, show us where we need to challenge ourselves in the use of our words, where we're speaking death instead of life, where we are, God, uh, speaking lies. Father, where we're not encouraging each other, we're not speaking truth to each other, Lord, we're not exhorting each other. And Father, that where we just may, God, just uh, there may be multiple areas in our life that are not uh, glorifying to your name and is not, uh, Lord, uh, building your kingdom. Show us that we may repent and we may turn and Holy Spirit equip us to know how to use our words in our mouth accurately and correctly. And for the, that would be life-giving and for the building of your kingdom. I truly believe that as a result, marriages will be restored, family relationships will be restored, work relationships will be restored when there's a commitment, Father, to see the best, and there's a commitment, Father, also to steward our words carefully. So, Father, we, we ask, Lord, for your help. We ask, Lord, for your guidance. And, Holy Spirit, we ask for your revelation in the coming days so that we may, God, have a correct assessment of our situation, that we may work from that and move forward into becoming more of the image of you. And Lord, we ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.